Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is the For the Love of Film podcast. Uh, happy Black Friday. Well, I'm recording this on Black Friday. You'll hear it at some point after Black Friday. Um, I'm going to talk about 11 films that I've seen in the last month or so since, you know, uh, the last time I talked to you. Um, the movies that I'm going to talk about on this episode, Halloween Kills, Antlers, Last Night in Soho, The French Dispatch, um, Marvel's Eternals, Dune, Spencer, Ghostbusters Afterlife, King Richard, Belfast, and House of Gucci. I'm going to doing it in the order that I saw them in, so I'm going to start with Halloween Kills. Uh, so Halloween Kills, uh, directed by David Gordon Green, who also directed uh, 2018's Halloween, which was the uh, 11th installment in the Halloween franchise, but also a reboot. It was a direct sequel to uh, the first Halloween film that John Carpenter did in, uh, what was it, either 1979, 1980, something like that. But um, also written by uh, um, Danny McBride, Scott Teams, and David Gordon Green. Um, Danny McBride, known primarily as a comedic actor, but he also co-wrote Halloween. So um, I've never been a big slasher movie fan. I enjoyed, um, the original Halloween. I actually, to, to, for the most part, I enjoyed the 2018 Halloween. I've only seen, I think maybe four of the entries total. Uh, no, well, I guess more than that now, cause I've seen Halloween kills. Um, I saw Rob Zombie's remakes, um, from a decade ago. I've seen Halloween. I've seen Halloween 2, um, I saw the first one where Jamie Lee Curtis returned, which I think was Halloween H2O. Um, like I said, I'm not a big slasher movie fan, and um, this part of it, it, by the very nature of these series, is they're going to be ridiculous, they're going to be inexplicable, where there's this, you know, whether it's supernatural like Freddy Krueger or... Um, something different, you know, I, I know in different iterations, Michael Myers is somewhat supernatural, uh, spoiler, uh, he's sort of supernatural in this one. Um, but it's just more and more and more of the same each time. And, um, you know, the original was one of the, if not the first slasher film, you know, some people might argue Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper's classic film, but that is based, uh, somewhat on, uh, some true events, um, or inspired by, I'd say, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, certainly Michael Myers is iconic, um, much like, uh, Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, he doesn't speak, um, which is different than Freddy Krueger, because Freddy Krueger never shuts up, um, but, I don't know. I, I, first of all, I thought this film was very boring. Um, it takes immediately, takes place immediately after the, the events of 2018's Halloween. It's literally at the end of that film, they, they trap Michael Myers in a house that's on fire and leave him to burn to death. And this film, the beginning of it, the fire department arrives and starts putting the fire out and so on and so forth. Um, Laurie Strode played by Jamie Lee Curtis goes to the hospital with her daughter and her granddaughter, uh, unaware that, you know, Michael then kills all the firefighters and escapes. Um, 
the biggest sort of letdown with this one is Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers never actually are never in the same space until the very end of the film. Uh, no, wait, not no. Uh, they're never in the same space. It's her daughter and her granddaughter that are in the same space as Michael Myers. But uh, they th- there's a weird like so- social commentary in the middle where you know about mob mentality and uh you know they they have someone who they think is michael myers who is not michael myers and ends up dying and it's just it's it's a it's a boring convoluted mess and um you know i know some people who are into the slash films like the creative uh killings there's a couple in here that i had never seen you know, it's those specific things done. So I guess there's that, but I, I would say that this is for diehard Halloween fans only. I'd give Halloween kills a a four out of 10. Um, next one I saw was antlers, which was a film that, um, was originally supposed to come out in 2020. Um, I was very much looking forward to it, uh, by, uh, Scott Cooper, um, who also wrote the screenplay and, uh, along with Nick and Tosca and C. Henry Charlson based on, uh, Nick and Tosca's book, the quiet boy. Um, it deals with, uh, you know, it takes place in a very poor, uh, mining town in the Pacific Northwest. And, but it also deals with, uh, native American folklore, specifically the Wendigo. Um, it definitely takes some liberties with, with that folklore. Um, there's, there were some interesting things in it. Um, one of them specifically being a transformation scene, which was one of the most graphic slash impressive slash horrifying transformations that scenes I've ever seen, uh, basically on par with the werewolf transformation scene in the, an American werewolf in London. Um, but, I don't know, this film felt hurried, particularly in the last 20 minutes or so. It, it, it felt like it was setting it up for um, something deeper, and then they wrapped it up very quickly. And uh, I, I left, I definitely left wanting more and feeling like it was hurried. Um, <clears throat> Scott Cooper's last film, Hostiles, uh, I thought was a masterpiece. So I was very much looking forward to this. This is his first foray into horror, and... Um, certainly not his strength um wasn't uh it it left something to be desired i i was entertained but i definitely felt left let down by this film i was uh i guess expecting something more and it was less than the sum of its parts um you know uh carrie russell was fine in it but um not not an amazing performance jesse plemons was fine in it as well, but, uh, he's an actor I really like, but, um, doesn't, you know, didn't have a whole lot of arc in here. It was nice to see Rory Cochran in a movie. Uh, he's a character actor who's been popping up since days of confused and, you know, definitely underused in this as was Graham Greene, who's only in one or two scenes. So I felt they could have done a lot more with this and, you know, it was, it's sort of potentially set up for a sequel I really hope they don't do one just because, uh, I don't know, there just wasn't enough here. And I, I don't think, you know, finance wise, it, it, uh, made enough money where they'd really 
really uh, <clears throat> really warrants an audience wanting a, a, a second one. Um, the next one I saw last night in Soho, uh, new. Um, it's it's a it's a psychological horror film uh, written and directed by Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, known you know for Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Um, most recently, he did um, Baby Driver, which, um, despite the fact that the title annoys the crap out of me, um, it's named after a Simon and Garfunkel song, but uh, I really enjoyed that. So, um, and I'd seen the trailers for Last Night in Soho for quite some time. Was looking forward to it, and it's very stylized. It definitely uh, with angles, with color with shots and with effects certainly aping things like Alfred Hitchcock, um, in the, you know, the fifties and sixties. Um, uh, the first half of the film I thought was one of the best films I've seen this year. And then the second half of the film was one of the worst films I've seen this year. Um, it has a tonal shift, um, in the third reel. So I guess, you know, less, less than half of the film is bad, but it does, I don't know, it it squanders so much of, uh, the excitement and goodwill of the first half of the film that it really, for me, just didn't work. Um, stars, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, Anya Taylor-Joy, two, two actresses who, two young actresses who have done a lot of interesting stuff in the last decade. And, um, you know, one of them has a gift where they can kind of connect, with um spirits and ends up seeing into the past Anya Taylor Joy is a a young woman who uh uh has a troubled past in Soho in London in the in the 60s and um it certainly an interesting premise the twist which I didn't see coming um I don't know, was, was very unsatisfying and to me almost grown worthy. And then the fact that they tried to make a lot of the effects look like period specific. Uh, I'm fine with that if they had used period specific effects, but they did a lot of digital effects to try and make it look like a lot of old analog effects, particularly with like glass breaking hands, breaking through the wall, uh, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I'm all for artists trying new things, and I certainly think Edgar Wright was trying to do something different than he had done before, but for me, it didn't pay off. Um, I was pretty frustrated with this. This is a movie I'd been looking forward to for a while, and I found it disappointing. Uh, I'd give uh, Last Night in Soho, I'd give it a 5 out of 10. Um, oh, I also realized I didn't assign a um, numerical number to Antlers. I would give Antlers a 6 out of 10. Uh, I also saw The French Dispatch, or the full title, uh, The French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas Evening Sun, um, Wes Anderson's new film. It is an anthology film. It doesn't have one one through-line um, narrative. It's uh, really three, but kind of like with, with an, a prologue and an epilogue. Uh, basically centers around uh, a magazine that, uh, from Kansas, but is, uh, you know, published, it's their satellite office in France and, um, you know, the publisher dies. And so they're doing a final issue kind of, uh, it's an obituary slash tribute to him. So it's, 
it's a weird movie. It's, it's, I, I like Wes Anderson a, a lot actually. And, um, but he's a very specific type of director. Like it, he, his films look and feel like a Wes Anderson movie unto themselves. Um, he, he packs so much detail into every frame and, um, it really warrants multiple viewings. Um, I would actually, I've thought about it a lot. And um, if not my favorite, this is in, you know, my top three favorite Wes Anderson films. It has the eccentricity and bizarreness that is his trademark, but without any of the things that annoy me about some of his films. Um, the, the cast, like all of his films, is always top-notch actors. Um Benicio Del Toro, I believe this is his first collaboration with him. Um, Adrian Brody's back. Tilda Swinton's back. Lea Sado, uh, Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, Jeffrey Wright, uh, uh, Edward Norton, Willem Dafoe, uh, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson. A lot of a lot of uh, the familiar cast of characters, but it's fun. It's weird. It's whimsical. Uh, and. If you like Wes Anderson, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Um, I don't know if this would be a good introductory Wes Anderson film by any means, because um, I think uh, his aesthetic is so specific. But um, yeah, it, it, if you're looking for a one-of-a-kind, unique, kind of out-of-time-and-space uh, comedic, fun film, uh, you you really can't go wrong with The French Dispatch. I'd give The French Dispatch an 8 out of 10. Uh, the next film I saw, Eternals, Marvel's Eternals. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's now been out for a while. It's, it's got the distinction of being the first box office bomb, uh, that Marvel has released. Um, it had a $200 million budget at the box office. It's made 341 million, which on paper sounds like it made money, but, um, you know, they spent almost a hundred million dollars on promotion, um, and various other costs. So they are going to end up losing money on it. Uh, uh, but, um, more than that, it's, I don't know, it's, they introduce 10 characters in this, none of whom have been in any other MCU film. You know, the Marvel cinematic universe ties stories together. Um, characters pop up and make appearances in every, in other people's films, and um, this this is very loosely in base uh, connected to the rest of the MCU, and we're given these ten characters. Um, they're not really given much interesting to do. I mean, it does have your typical lights in the sky battle at the end, and they're bat battling CGI monsters. Um, they all have these incredible powers. Um, they're all immortal, so it's just. I don't know. I, I didn't connect with the characters. The few that I did find interesting are given such little screen time because there's so many of them that it was just a hard sell. I think this would have worked better as a, as a Disney plus series, but I don't know that the stakes, not only are they so abstract, but it's just so disconnected from the rest of the MCU and the characters that we've built relationships with over the last 13 years that it just, it just feels awkward and out of place, and I didn't enjoy it. Um, I would give the Eternals a 5 out of 10. It's too long, it's too loud, and so different from uh, director Chloe Zhao's uh, last film, 
uh, which, which, uh, you know, won a bunch, bunch of Oscars. Um, but it's such a small, intimate film and this is just such a loud, bombastic film. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I did not enjoy Eternals. Uh, next film I saw was Dune or more appropriately Dune part one, as it's titled on screen. Um, I think part of the marketing campaign, they didn't list it as part one because part two had not been greenlit when this was released, um, due to COVID-19 stuff. Um, and just the sheer expense of it, um, Warner Brothers had not greenlit part two. It has since been greenlit, um, uh, you know, $165 million budget. It, it's made 368 at the box office. So it has made money. Um, it, uh, director Denis Villeneuve, uh, who, you know, helms such films as, uh, The Arrival, Sicario, and Blade Runner 2049, it's his own interpretation of Frank Herbert's 1965 sci-fi classic Dune, which they've tried making several times. David Lynch made one in 1984, which many people consider a failure. Um, it's certainly a one-of-a-kind bizarre film, uh, the David Lynch film, but this is a far more accessible version. It, it does only cover roughly 45% uh, of the book. But um, it's gorgeous to look at. Um, it does really interesting stuff with sound design. The The cast is top-notch. This was a film I was very much looking forward to this last year, and I had to wait an entire year, and uh, it was definitely worth the wait. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's picked people's interest in the Dune franchise who had never been interested in the series before, so... Uh, and like I said, it has, they have greenlit the second part. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But I, yeah, Dune was one of my favorite films I've seen this year. And, um, I'm very much looking forward to part two. Uh, I saw Dune three times in the theater. I wanted to see it more, but it came and went from my local theater, uh, too quickly to be able to do that. But I would give Dune, uh, eight out of 10. I really enjoyed it. Uh, next one I saw next, yeah, next film I saw was Spencer, which is uh, dir directed by Pablo Lorraine and written by Stephen Knight, uh, based on um, basically a Christmas weekend um, in, I believe it was 1989 or 1990. Um, 1991, I'm sorry, uh, about the British royal family. Um, Kristen Stewart plays Princess Diana. Um, it's a very... She did an amazing job. It's a very sad, lonely, and upsetting uh, film. Uh, it, it, it certainly gives an, an impression of the interpretation of Diana's life. Um, her and Prince Charles were both having extramarital affairs at this point. The way the marriage was over, but not they hadn't gotten divorced yet. So, and it was just. Terrible seeing her isolation from the rest of the family and the difficulty she had, and her only real solace was in her children. Um, I will say, um, a little trigger warning for it, there is quite a bit of bulimic vomiting in this film. So, um, you know, I know that can certainly affect people. Um, I didn't know that going into that, um, into the film, I didn't know that that was necessarily 
uh, a struggle that uh, Princess Diana had. And, you know, uh, doing some some of my own, like, lurking online afterwards. I couldn't find anything specifically saying that, so I, I don't know if that's conjecture or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, um, it would certainly go hand-in-hand hand with some, some of her reported treatment by the rest of the royal family. But, yeah, um, an excellent performance by Kristen Stewart. I know a lot of people... Um, kind of joke about her having limited range, which I don't think is true. I think uh, it's mostly based on her performance in the Twilight series, but um, I think that had more to do with the, the the tone of that series and how she was directed rather than her capabilities as an actress. She has shown quite a bit of range throughout her career. So um, one of her best performances I've ever seen, and she really kind of disappeared into the role, um, I thought it was well-made, definitely, you know, a dark downer of a film, but well-made. Um, I would give Spencer a 7 out of 10. Um, I just saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is the third, well, fourth, but slash third uh, film in the Ghostbusters franchise. Um, the, the film Ghostbusters Answer the Call from 2016, which had a you know, all-female cast, and didn't include any of the characters from the original. Um, They're they're kind of ignoring that one. This is a direct sequel to uh, Ghostbusters 2 from 1989, but it really relies heavily on um, the viewer's knowledge of the first film. It ties in with the mythology of that, um, certainly the characters from that, and much like... Star Wars The Force Awakens, I feel like it relies a little bit too much on the original source material. Um, It's directed by Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two films. And it also stars, um, or it features five of the original cast members from the first two films. Bill Murray, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts. Um, this is a mild spoiler, but uh, Sigourney Weaver is literally only in the post-credit post-credit sequence. Um, and, you know, Annie Potts has a couple scenes, Dan Aykroyd has a couple scenes, and then Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Ernie Hudson only really have one scene at the very end. The original cast is in this far less than I expected, but that's okay. Um, it just... For me, it struggled to find it, it had a different tone than the original film, which was fine by me. It was darker, it was more mysterious, it was less actually funny. Um, and it's more of it, it's more of a kids' movie because it's has like a ragtag group of kids um who are now have in, you know inadvertently inherited the mantle of the Ghostbusters. Um it's you know Egon Spengler, um, uh, who is portrayed by Harold Ramis, who was the the co-writer of the original two films, um, who unfortunately Harold Ramis has, has passed away, uh, only, uh, or mere, nearly a decade ago. Um, they do address Egon's passing in the film and what it originally felt like a nice tip of the hat, but I felt like they, uh, they addressed it too much in the end, they overutilized it, and it just kind of became groan-worthy for me. I know I'm in the minority of the people that I know who have seen this film who really was disappointed by it. A lot of people really enjoyed it, um, but for me, 
It relied too much on the original mythos. It wasn't its own thing. And um, too much too much CGI. Um, Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon, who had great chemistry in the first half of the film, are completely sidelined in the second half of the film and are basically, um, y- you know, weird comic relief, but it's not funny. So I don't know. I it's hard for me to talk about this fully without spoiling it. And I know a lot of people still haven't seen it, so I don't want to spoil it, but uh, Ghostbusters afterlife, while I did enjoy it more than the 2016 Ghostbusters film, that's not saying much. I would give Ghostbusters afterlife a five out of 10. Uh, I also saw King Richard, which is a biographical film about Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. It's, it's weird because, it you know Will Smith plays the title role, so it does focus on Richard Williams more than the girls. But the girls, it's really their story, uh, or it should have been their story. So it's a weird kind of sideways biography film. Um, it's it's well made. I was interested, and I don't really care about sports. I'm familiar with who Venus and Serena Williams are just because I've been alive for the last forty five years, but. Um, I haven't followed their career. So it was interesting to kind of learn where they came from, how uh, their father's plan for their lives played out. Um, I was, I was definitely entertained and Will Smith did a great job. Uh, uh, You know, I guess how much you care about Venus and Serena Williams and, or how much you enjoy Will Smith will depend greatly on how much you enjoy this film, but it's a well-made film. And uh, um, yeah, I'd give, King King Richard is 7 out of 10. Um, I also saw Belfast, which uh, was a black and white uh, coming-of-age film uh, written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. Um, takes place in the 60s during the the, the height of um, the Troubles, you know, the, the violence between uh, Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland through the eyes of a young boy named Buddy. Um, uh, you know, his parents are struggling because his father has work abroad, trying to move the family, but to to London. They've also talked about going to Australia, um, but the mother's really hesitant to want to leave Belfast, which is, you know, all she's ever known her whole life. And the children don't want to leave. Um, this was a, this caught me off guard um, and really, brought, you know, pulled me in more than I was expecting it to. It's, um, you know, there's no huge celebrities in it. Um, you know, Judy Dench, uh, plays the grandmother, Kieran Hines plays a grandfather. Um, but for the most part, it's, uh, not familiar face and it lets the story, uh, take you in. And, uh, it was pretty, pretty moving and I really enjoyed it and it looked gorgeous in black and white. I'd give Belfast an eight out of 10. And last but not least, uh, House of Gucci, the second Ridley Scott film I've seen this year. Uh, another biographical film about, um, you know, the Gucci family in the uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, the Tonally, this film's all over the place. Um, you know, huge cast, Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jeremy Irons, Al Pacino, Jared Leto, Salma Hayek. Um I didn't know this story. I mean, I knew a little bit about it, but, um, tough to, 
I don't know. I didn't really have a whole lot of sympathy for any of the people that were in it because, um, you know, the ultra wealthy uh, business owners, uh, uh, Italian fashion, just I personally can't relate to it. And, you know, uh, I knew the outcome before the movie started. So I didn't really have a whole lot of sympathy for for um, the character the Lady Gaga played, which was um, Patrizia Reggiani. Uh, who was, you know, Patrizia Gucci for a while. She was married to uh, Maurizio, um, played by Adam Driver. And, um, you know, they both gave really solid performances. Um, it's a well-made film. Uh, Jared Leto, <laughs> very, very entertaining, completely unrecognizable in a fat suit, a bald wig, and um, just tons of makeup, but uh, very entertaining as the the dim-witted sort of loose cannon, Paul Gucci. And, um, I can't, you know, Al Pacino, it was a different role for him. I couldn't tell if he's actually wearing some sort of fat suit or if he's just paunchy because he is a, an older guy now. Um, but it felt like Al Pacino and Jared Leto were in a different, were making a different movie than, uh, everyone else. So while I enjoyed seeing them on screen, it was very, disjointed and uh yeah it was a it was a strange film uh it was a little too long it's probably about 20 minutes too long i you know i i was starting to fall asleep in 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 the middle uh for about 15 minutes uh but um you know it starts off with a bang and sort of you know it it the the last half an hour or so goes by really quickly but um certainly entertaining and Nice to see Lady Gaga do do another lead role after um, her great turn in A Star Is Born from a few years ago. But um, House of Gucci, I'd give it a six out of ten. Uh, you know, interesting film, but uh, certainly not flawless. Those are the films that I saw at the end of October and for November. Um, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again hopefully soon.